We've been singing songs of commitment today and, and about committing ourselves and being committed. And uh, even the song we just sang there uh, was a song of commitment as we commit ourselves. And so today I want us to think, to start this new year, thinking about commitment and what are we committed to and what uh, direction are we going It's been said that if you don't know where you are going, any road will take you there. Any road will get you there. This is a common paraphrase from actually from Alice in Wonderland uh, where Alice stops to talk to the Cheshire Cat and has a conversation with the Cheshire Cat. You can't really read it there. But basically, that's the the conversation she has. She says, which way should I go? And the Cheshire Cheshire Cat says, where do you want to go? And she says, I don't much care where. And he says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And that's how we often go through life, is we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's ahead of us. But as we come to this, our first Sunday of the year, we come to the new year, it feels a little bit like there's a new road ahead of us. In reality, of course, the changing of the year is just a a flip of the calendar. It's just one day moving into the next. There isn't really anything substantial about the change from 2018 to 2019. Yet, in our minds, it does feel like something new is happening. There is some change. And a start of a new year gives us a time to stop and reflect and think about what's happened in the year before and think about what's ahead of us. It gives us a moment to stop and reflect on our life events and to to take measure of the things that have happened and the things that uh, we're looking forward to. And so we often have these kind of New Year's resolutions where we make a decision. We are going to do something different in uh, in the new year, in the the year that's coming. And these are are common ones uh, that we often kind of make when we're when we're making New Year's resolutions. Sometimes we need to do to, to stop and consider uh, a little more deeply, what am I going to accomplish in 2019? What can I do in the new year? So it's a, it's a valid thing to do, to stop and think about it. And so as we think about it, I want us to think about our mission statement here at VCBC. This first Sunday of 2019, as we think ahead, we think of the road that we as a church are called to travel. The journey that we're to go on, the direction we are to take. And describing this road starts with our mission statement, to follow and witness Christ in all areas of life. And next week we'll look at at our vision statement. Pastor Brian will take us to, to have a look at that. But this is a good way to start 2019 in thinking about where are we going? What are we headed for? What direction are we going? What do we want to accomplish? And our mission statement sort of drives us from behind, keeps us on track of where we're going, what we're trying to do. And so let's unpack this a little bit and see what's being communicated to us when we say follow and witness Christ in all uh, areas of life. This seems um, to be a fairly self-evident statement. It seems like it's not, it's not very uh, confusing. But let's unpack it a bit and be, just be reminded of what it means 
uh, this, this mission statement. The first thing, we follow Christ. We are to follow Christ. <clears throat> now, when we talk about following Christ, we don't mean a, a physical following where we all head off to Israel and we dress like He did and try and find the paths He walked and walk on the roads that He walked. We don't, we're not trying to walk a mile in His sandals in a physical kind of way. We don't all need to leave our jobs and go and follow Him as the first disciples did. It doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily mean that we can just act like Jesus. That's not really what we're getting at. There was a fellow a few years ago by the name of A.J. Jacobs, and he did this. He and he wrote a book. He was a journalist, and he he did this for a year. And he wrote a book, and he he called it the Year of Living Biblically. And it's a, if if you haven't read it, it's worth a read. It's a it's a, an interesting insight. This fellow is a, was a non-practicing Jew, so he had some uh, understanding of the Bible and he took various passages of the Bible and he would try and live them out literally. And he would take them word for word and he would try and, and he lived it out. And he did that for a year. Drove his family crazy, but, uh, but it's an interesting account of, of what it's like to do it. But he didn't change his heart. It was just something he did on the outside. He wasn't really... He, he was in an outward way. He was living biblically. And at times he picked passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in that way, you might say he was trying to follow Jesus. But he wasn't really. He was just doing it on the outside. There was nothing in the heart. And so when we say we are to follow Jesus, we're not talking about just acting like Him on the outside. It's, it, because that's just what it is. It's just acting. And that's not what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us just to put on an act and make a good show of it. He wants God wants that heart transformation. He wants it to come from inside, from our character being transformed. And that was the, the passage, one of the passages we read this morning is a call to worship about being transformed about being changed from the inside as we let the Holy Spirit work in us. It comes from God and that change comes and that change comes from the inside, from our heart and our mind being transformed and then that affects how we live our lives. It comes from saying to God, not my will be done, but Yours. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are Conformed, we are transformed into the image of Christ. We are transformed from something into something else. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says, And we all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We reflect the Lord's glory. It's not our own glory that that transformation brings. That transforming of our soul, of our heart, of our mind doesn't bring glory to ourselves, but it reflects God's glory. Like the moon. It doesn't give off any light of its own. It's simply reflecting the light from the sun. We are to be like that. We are to reflect God's glory. And as we're transformed 
as we are being transformed, we are being changed. And so we, in greater uh, amounts, we reflect the glory of God. And so that, ref- that transformation is a process. It's a continuous process. We are being continually transformed. We are being transformed. It's not a one-time event, but we are being transformed. And through that, we ref- greater reflect God's glory. We are being transformed, being made more like Christ. And that all happens from God, the Spirit who is at work in us. It's not in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own talents, in our own uh, efforts. But it's God at work in our lives. And as we let God be at work in our lives, we can be transformed. We can be changed to be made like Christ and we follow Him. Paul also says in... We can get this going. 2 Corinthians... Chapter 5, verse 17. Whoops. There we go. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The new is here. Something new is happening in us as we let God's Spirit work in us. We have, we are that new creation in Christ. This is a lifelong process. And it has its ups and downs like this graph that sometimes we go through stages of life where it seems like instead of becoming more like Christ, we're becoming less like Christ. We all experience that. And that becomes a frustration for us in life. But, that's, uh, but the general trend needs to be upwards. Even if there's ups and downs in our life, the general trend needs to be that we are moving, being transformed more to be more like Christ. And in that way, we follow Christ. We become like Christ. Then the second part of the statement is that we witness Christ. This is an outward orientation where we tell others about Christ. We are to be a witness to Christ and all that He has done in our life and all that God has done over the centuries. We need to be telling others about Jesus. In the Old Testament, we read many accounts where they set up a pile of stones. They set up some monument. And the point of that was so that when the next generation would come, they would see those stones. They would see that monument and say, what is that monument for? And then the, the elders in that culture can share. That's a time when God delivered us, when God protected us, when God did something in our lives. And we remember that. And we we would tell from generation to generation the stories of God at work. And we need to do that as well. We need to be witnessing Christ to telling others about what He has done in the world and in our lives. And Luke in the book of Acts, he records for us Jesus' last words to His disciples before He is taken up in heaven. This is after Jesus has Uh, lived his life. He's been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. And now he is with his disciples. But at some point, and just at this point in the story, he is about to be taken up. And these are his last words. The Bible says after this, he was taken up from them. 
And Luke records these words that Jesus said, and He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was very meaningful because Jerusalem was where they were or in that area. Judea and Samaria were sort of the, the province that they were in and the next door province and then to the ends of the world. Jesus was giving them a global mandate to go and to tell people about who He is and what He had done. And this, this then extends to us as well. We need to be that witness. That person who uh, tells others what they have seen. A witness to a car crash will need to go and well, to, to tell the police what they've seen and perhaps uh, what they've experienced. They may even end up having to go in court to recount what they have seen because it's important that others hear that testimony. And so our task as a follower of Jesus is to be a witness uh, to what He has done to all He has done. So this task that Jesus gave His disciples extends to us today as followers of Jesus. Many many years after this was given to His disciples, it still applies to us today. So how do we do that? How do we witness to Christ? Here is a a famous quote. and This is St. Francis of Assisi. And and often, he, you, at times like this, we would pull up this quote and it would say, it says, preach the Gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Wonderful quote with a great heart, but actually, St. Francis didn't say it. Sorry to disappoint you all. But uh, scholars have been looking into this and nobody can find any record of him saying this or anybody actually anybody who wrote about Francis recording that he said this. So it doesn't actually appear that this would be something that he would say. And in fact, when they looked more closely at the life of St. Francis, they found he was really into words. He was really into preaching the Gospel. Some days he would go from village to village and he would hit up five villages in a day. And he would stop and he would set up in the marketplace and he would preach the good news. And so it doesn't really fit with his life that he would say this because he was very active in actually preaching the good news. The Gospel is, part, is, part, uh, is partly words. There needs to be words that go along with the Gospel. The Gospel needs words. It's good news and that news needs to be spread by words. And so we need to be a witness to Christ. But that doesn't mean that our lives shouldn't be a testimony. Our lives should be a testimony. We should live our lives in such a way that people see that we have been transformed by the Gospel and people understand where that transformation comes from. In fact, Peter said it like this uh, about living such good lives. He said, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So indeed, we should be living our lives in a way that pleases God, that glorifies God, so that others can see that transformation. That others can see how we're living our life. But 
they also need to hear the Gospel because if they just see us living our lives in a certain way, they will just think we are a very, this person is a very moral and upright person. And they won't make that connection with the Gospel. And so the words need to be there too. There comes a time when an explanation of why we are living the way we live comes. And that's the, the words. That's the words that we need to share. And so we follow and we witness Christ. And then the third part of the equation there, the per, third part of the mission is in all areas of life. This transforming and witnessing is not limited in itself to Sunday morning or Friday night or whenever our fellowship group meets or when we come to church. We put on some kind of appearance that makes us look acceptable. But this is probably the hardest part of the whole mission statement to actually do this. To be a to follow Christ, to be a witness to Him in all areas of our life. We can hold our lives together for the few hours or the, maybe the hour or two that we're here on a Sunday morning and we can look like we're, uh, we're doing okay. But can we really live it out the other six days of the week? That's the really hard part. Do we know what it's like to be a Christian co-worker? Or a neighbor who is a Jesus follower. Or a, a relative who is deeply affected by the Gospel. Do we know what that's like? That's really the hard part for all of us. To actually live it out day by day consistently in our lives. It might look a little like this. Where we've got these different aspects of our life. And there, 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 there's our life. And in this in this illustration it's divided up into six little areas but whatever however areas you may want to divide it up and and then there's Jesus Christ and he's over there and he's not really a part of any part of our life and so and and we wrestle with that like how do we bring Jesus in and sometimes we do this we bring Jesus in and we put him in that little part of our life that's the spiritual spirituality and we say well I'm a Christian and, but, but Jesus is just there in that, in that one part. But what He really wants to be is more like this. Where He is there front and center in every part of our life. And that's what the mission statement is, is getting at. He is, it's that this is something that impacts our whole life. 24-7, Jesus is walking with us and, 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 and shaping us and guiding us in what we do. And Paul, uh, again, turning to Paul, he encourages us to do this as he writes to the church at Colossae. He writes to them, encouraging them to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, to let the message, the message of Christ, dwell among you richly. So he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. And then, whatever you do, whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to the God and Father through Him. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Paul makes this abundantly clear. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it for the Lord. Whatever you do. I was reading a story about a young man named Michael, and Michael grew up in the church, and he was in a grew up in a, in a Christian family. He went through all the. This is not a Michael in this congregation. Let me just uh, clarify that for you. I'm not talking about anybody here. Um, but uh, but Michael grew up. He went to Sunday school as a kid and youth group, very engaged in the church, and then he finished high school. He went off to university. He started to get involved in drinking and drugs. And he found that lifestyle kind of appealing. And it was fun for a time, but he got tangled up in that. And he got more and more involved in the scene and eventually he found himself addicted. And to manage his addiction and to fund his addiction, he got into dealing drugs himself to pay for his own habit. He describes himself at this point in his life as he was out of control. He was involved in a drug deal that went bad and that shook him up because he realized how close to death he came on that particular day doing that particular deal. He knew he was on a dangerous path and he had to change. So for the next six years, he worked at, uh, at changing his life. He started going back to church. He got married. He had a kid. He started serving at church. He got a good job. He was working hard. Life had turned around. But it was all on the outside. On the inside, Michael was miserable, bitter, and angry because he hadn't experienced any life transformation. He had just changed the outside. And then one day, he encountered Jesus. God opened His eyes to the reality of salvation by grace through faith alone. And He accepted Christ as His Savior on that day. Even though He had been going to church as a kid and then as an adult for six years, He had never really experienced that transformation. And then He did. That one day, He realized He had never really accepted Christ. And all He was doing was just trying to put on the outside act And then he came to that point where he said, I need Christ. And he said after that, he simply wanted to be more like Jesus day by day. And once he had that openness and willingness, God began to change him. Michael isn't perfect, but he was changing. He was being transformed. And the things he was doing and is doing are coming from a place of a transformed life. And he saw his whole life change as he gave it up to God. This kind of change only comes from the great, by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do these things on our own in a sustainable and impactful way in our own strength. Through a force of our own will, we might be able to change the outside like Michael did, but we may end up becoming miserable, bitter, and angry. Instead, the change comes from the inside. The outward actions will change as our inward, as our as our heart, as our mind is transformed. 
But that's where it starts with us becoming like Christ. We are following and witnessing Christ in all areas of our life, not just on Sunday mornings. As we become fully committed to Jesus to work in us and through us, we see that transformation. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. He's not in our own strength. But be strong in the Lord. And to His disciple Timothy, he says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In, in, uh, in, oops, there's a little, uh, little typo in there. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is, this is how we are to be transformed in the, in the grace, in the power of Jesus. And so we have this, our mission statement to follow and witness Christ in all areas of life. This is the mission statement of ECBC. And this is what should guide us and lead us. And this is how we should be setting our priorities. The temptation might be to hold the, the, this idea of VCBC at arm's length and say, well, that's the church. That's the church's mission and vision statement. The problem is VCBC isn't this building, but it's us. It's us sitting here. As I look out, I see VCBC. I see the faces of VCBC. And so as we say that the mission statement of VCBC is to follow and witness Christ in all areas of life, that means it is for all of us our mission statement as well. We need to adopt this individually so that together this can be part of, our, of who we are and of what we do as a church. And so we each bring our own gifts and abilities, our strengths and our weaknesses, and then we can start to make an impact around us. John Wesley talked about this and he was talking about impacting the world and that didn't come out, that slide didn't transfer from my computer to this one very well. Uh, but John Wesley, and he was, writing, uh, he was writing about 300 years ago and he wrote and he said, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven and upon earth. He's saying that... There we go. Thanks. Um, there you go. That's John Wesley in his quote. And uh, this, is, you know, this is gender specific, but remember he, he was writing about 300 years ago too. So um, you have to forgive him for that. But he's saying that this is the impact that 100 people can have if they are fully committed to the Gospel. He says they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. This is the kind of impact that we as a church can have if we follow this mission statement. If we take it as our own, we own it ourselves. And we say, this is how I am going to live my life. I'm going to follow and witness Christ in all areas of my life going into 2019. And then as we come together and we together are living that out, we can shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so we need to think about this and consider how each one of us might make a contribution to the mission at VCBC as we each are transformed and as we each of us are committed. Let me leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul once again. And he is writing these words to the church at Corinth. 
It's a pretty messed up church when you read the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You'll read about all the problems they had. They were a church that Paul says they weren't ready for real spiritual food. They were, could only handle mother's milk. They were proud of this man in the church who was sleeping with his stepmother. They were a church who was in need of getting themselves under control, of exercising some self-discipline in their life. And Paul writes to them. And he writes uh, about his own weaknesses. And I think he writes as an encouragement. And so he writes to them this in 2 Corinthians. And let me leave you with this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. As we move forward into 2019 following this vision statement, we move forward in the power of God and the Holy Spirit so that we can boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give ourselves to You. Fully committed to You. Fully giving ourselves to You. To Your mission. To Your work in this world. In Jesus' name, Amen.